All right. Vacation times are almost over. The summer's almost done. It's, get, it's time to get back to work, right? And that, so we want to look back into uh, the Word of God. We want to look back into Ephesians. And we're continuing in this book. It's been a great book. I've been looking at in uh, I've been looking at foolishness and wisdom, and today we're going to look at verses 22 to 24 that starts talking about marriage. And today I'm going to be looking at a special kind of submitting for wives. Let's read the passage. Ephesians chapter 5, 22 to 24. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Then one word from verse 25, husbands. I said that for this reason. I'm going to be directing this morning the message to the wives, but the men need to understand it too, but men, your message is coming. So hold on to your seats. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God, because Lord, the word sets us straight. It corrects all kinds of wrong things. It adjusts us to see things as you see them. It convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And it helps us to understand who you are, and who we are, and who the enemy is, and what the world's all about, and what our future is all about, and what we're to do presently. And Lord, in these passages, this is a present verb for us. It's a present thing that we ought to do now in our life. So Lord, wherever we've come from in our understanding of marriage, please correct our thinking today. Help us to understand it from God's perspective. And Lord, I pray that you would enable us to do hard things, to put it into practice to put down the flesh, to put the sin to death, to not listen to the currents of the world and not to give in to the traps of Satan and the deception he has every day for us. But Lord, let us give ourselves over to the control of the Spirit that the Spirit of God may lead us and hold us by the truth. And I thank you, Lord, for what you'll do in Christ's name. Amen. So we're looking at these passages, but let me just go back and give you a little recap. Remember, we have together been investigating the practical outworking of Christian doctrine. It has led us to see the contrast between a foolish way to walk through life and a wise way to walk through life. That the scriptures have brought us to see the wise walk of, the, of a believer who is controlled by the Spirit. And even though many persons today 
strive to feel the shouts of alleluias and the exulting songs and utterances of praise in a more or less unknown tongue atmosphere, which they say are all proofs to being filled with the Spirit, these all may be spurious and deceitful without meeting and without examination. However, The scriptures have presented us with an unmistakable proof of the Spirit's power to produce good fruit in the life of a genuine believer. That is the fruit that can be seen. Which first came to us by the seed of God in our heart when we believed the gospel. Then that seed was fed by the word of God and it was carefully cultivated with spiritual water and light from the word of God. And as needed, that heart was weeded. Sins were put off by repentance. Righteousness was put on by obedience. Branches were pruned to produce a more quality And of course, sometimes that is done by the disciplining hand of God, not allowing us to continue in a sinful pattern, but rescuing us from that pattern by his disciplining hand. And the results are the unmistakable spiritual manifestations of the Holy Spirit, what are some of the ones that we've talked about already, that the filling of the Spirit produces a balanced careful and wise walk between doctrine and practice in contrast to the deeds of the flesh which produce a walk according to fleshly desires old sinful patterns and the dictates of a world system that is opposed to God the filling of the spirit produces a joy deep in the heart that is expressed toward the Lord in contrast to the complaining, grumbling, under-the-breath mumbling of the spirit of the sinful flesh. The filling of the Spirit of God produces a receptiveness to the teaching ministry of the Word of God. It is equated with being word-filled. In fact, Colossians tells us in chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So being spirit-controlled is also being word-controlled. That the filling of the Spirit produces a thankfulness deep in your heart that it is expressed to the Lord in the assembly and is also ex- is expressed in the attitude and the demeanor of a spiritual believer, one who is walking with the Lord, one who is having their understanding enriched, producing actions that please God, that the filling of the Spirit produces unity and discernment in ministry, and it does so in the home that the filling of the Spirit will demonstrate dedication to God and a nonconformity to the world in contrast to the transformed heart 
that was at one time not bent towards knowing and doing the will of God, but now in Christ, controlled by the Spirit, is now bent towards knowing, doing the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And of course, now the Holy Spirit of God produces harmony in relationships. Of course, the relationships that we're looking at now will be starting off the husband and the wife relationship in marriage. Now, the passage last time concisely gave us four terms connected to being controlled by the Holy Spirit, which when a believer, or when believers are controlled by him, they bear the visible fruit of speaking joy outwardly by psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and I've already covered that, singing joy inwardly in your heart to the Lord, thanking God for everything all the time, giving thanks, and then submitting. So they're speaking, singing, thanking, and submitting. That means the willfulness to submit ourselves to God's authority structures. And that's where I kind of left you last time. I left you with that fourth one, but that fourth one kicks us into this next section of Scripture. That the supreme condition of the filling of the Holy Spirit of God is submitting, submission to Christ, to knowing and doing the will of the Lord. In verse number 21 of chapter 5, it says simply this, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, the term to be subject, as I mentioned last time, is used in a military sense of soldiers submitting to their superior. So technically, it refers to willfully putting yourself under a leader. So we see in Scripture a decisive order. We are called to submit. That Christians collectively, who are controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, are first to submit to the Lord. That must always come first. Giving ourselves over to however God arranged things. And did God arrange things? Oh, yes, he did. It's, us, it's now for us to recognize how we arranged them. Because you know why? We like to rearrange them. See, God wants to, when you become a believer, to arrange them back where they ought to be because they got out of whack. Remember, everything you know, knew about God before you became a Christian was wrong, all of it. It's the Scriptures now that brings us back in line. So technically, it refers to the willful putting of oneself under a leader. And of course, when doing that, we learn to please God. Now, this must come first. Submission is to one another. And that would imply that we are willing to submit to those who have authority, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the church, whether it be in society. So Scripture deals with the authority structure in, uh, all the way up into chapter 6. And how does he do that in marriage, wives and husbands? It says, wives, be subject to your own husbands. In the family, Children and parents, 
Children, come first. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then, of course, the household, servants and masters. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters. So all of us, every single one of us, were called to positions of authority and to positions of subordination. Every one of us know what that is. Submission uh, to authority. So submission is a concept for all believers. But if you notice in verse 21, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, that there is something going on here. For a spirit-filled believer, unity is an essential in dealing with people. That the spirit-filled believer is someone who is subject to others with this motive, the fear of Christ. The reason why they strive for harmonious relationships is because they genuinely fear God. Now, of course, this fear right here, well, we have to understand what that fear is. That God fearers, in their heart, they reverence God to the point, to the point that they care deeply about what he says. And also, they desire to submit to what he says or to his authority. When I am preaching the word of God, I have authority. It is not my own authority. As long as I'm preaching the word of God, it is the authority of God. The authority of God that's coming to you from the word of God. This is thus says the Lord. So see, their godly fear, the godly fear of a believer, encompasses both terror and reverence. Submission and awe. When I fear God, all those things are going on. God is awesome. God is like no one else. He cannot be compared to anyone else. And when we understand what what happened in the cross and that he accomplished everything on the cross so we can be made right with the Father and go to heaven someday and be with him forever, not based on anything we could have done good, but based on an alien righteousness that has been imputed to our account and our sin nailed to the cross. See, that's awesome. But also that includes us reverencing God. Now, why don't people reverence God? Why is it that people are not righteous? They they don't seek God even though they say they do. They are not good. They use their tongues to deceive. They are always full of cursing and bitterness. They are quick to eliminate those in their way. They're rebellious towards authority from the core of their heart, and they cannot find out the way of real peace. Why is it? Well, the question is answered in the context of Romans chapter 3, verse 18. You don't need to turn there. It says simply this. After it describes us as sinners... There's no fear of God before their eyes. That's why the world does what it does. That's why this whole world's in chaos. God's been cast out. And if God is not there, there's no standard there. There's no truth there. People are going to live how they want to. People live how they want to. And don't question that because that's the norm of the day. You don't question people. Well, you know what? God wants to correct all that. For Paul gets his information from Psalms 36. 
And he tells us further why people are as they are. And this is what Psalm 36 says, transgressions speaks to the ungodly or to the wicked deep in their heart. What, what, did that, what does that mean? You know what it means? It means that sin is their master. Their desires and passion are their master. That's what controls their life, right? And here it concludes, and there's no fear of God before their eyes as long as I like my sin, and believe me, sin will give you pleasure. That Holy Spirit-controlled submission hedges against individualism. It hedges against independence, which only leads to selfishness. It always leads to selfishness. It's, always, it's all, all about self. Instead, what the Spirit of God does is the, the Holy Spirit brings us to a place of submission, which implies humility, which ex- expresses itself in brotherly love which also expresses itself in showing honor to another person, like it says in Romans, be devout to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. See, we seem to peaceably get along with people because we are not insistent on our own way when we learn this submission. It doesn't bother us if something doesn't go exactly our way when we learn to submit properly when we learn to esteem others higher than ourselves. In fact, it's shown also in counting others better than ourselves. No matter who they are, like it says in Philippians, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. In each of those passages, it is the love of Christ that controls believers And this is how believers imitate God. Biblical love involves obedience, but biblical love carries with it obligation. Christians are called to submit to the divine order of how God arranged things. In the first place, marriage comes into view in our passage. The New Testament does not provide a detailed list of specific responsibilities of the husband and wife. Nor do we find them noted on the back of marriage licenses, as noted by Dr. Sproul in his book on the intimate marriage. Matter of fact, you're not going to find them anywhere. However, the Lord did ordain the institute of marriage He also regulates marriage by giving to us his word and the role and responsibilities of that institution. The roles and responsibility and, of course, the roles within that responsibility. And notice again our passage in verse 22. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, For the husband is the head of the wife, also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. And of course, the term head implies authority. All of us know well that what Paul says here is not popular. It is not a popular concept. In fact, the Apostle Paul has been called a male chauvinist because of this passage. He has been called an anti-feminist because of it. 
you may be thinking now, come, come on, Pastor Bobby, listen, we live in a modern day here. You're taking us back to ancient times. Now, this is not ancient times. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. So the passage has been determined by many as being biased and outdated and considered useless for intelligent, intelligent to people to consider, let alone practice that as a legitimate lifestyle. See, the world is constantly pressing upon our minds that there are more up-to-date ways of how we should conceive up marriage and the family, right? And we have multitude of definitions of that today. The states and the government should stay out of that, but they tend to want to dabble in those things, and they mess it up every time. See, they are not tolerant of biblical views. In fact, they are quite militant towards biblical views. Now, in order to correct any false conception of a wife's submission, there are some things biblical submission is not. I just want to throw some out to you. The first one is this, that biblical submission does not mean that the wife is inferior to her husband. That Jesus Christ, remember, was not inferior to Mary and Joseph when the scriptures tell us and says when he was a child in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, he continued in subjection in them or to them. Secular culture rejects the concept of submission and accordingly uh, worldly logic concludes that because submission is a supportive role, then it must mean inferior or even degrading. Now, many theologians have suggested, I think in a good way, uh, how we should think about biblical submission, that a, a good way to view biblical submission is to consider the Holy Trinity. The Trinity is understood as an essential unity within economic subordination. That's a theological way of saying it. In other words, the Trinity is one in essence and three in persons. Three members of the Trinity are equal, though, in glory and value and power and holiness and omnipotence and omniscience and all kinds of other qualities. That the Son is no less divine than the Father. All are fully God, being co-eternal and co-essential. In God's plan of redemption, one can see that there are levels of subordination. That the Father sends the Son to redeem the world. The Son does not, doesn't send the Father. So the means that the Son was in some way in a support, subordinate role to the Father there, that the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and the Son, yet they are equal to the Father and the Son. So you see, Christ willingly submitted to the Father without a word of protest. That is what we Christians are to imitate the willingness to submit ourselves to authority. The Father has authority over the Son, but it is not because the Son is inferior to the Father. Jesus is fully God, and the Father and the Son are perfectly equal, but they are in different roles. Roles are simply not a measure of superiority or inferiority. Roles are a means God uses to accomplish his purposes. 
in like fashion, the submission of the wife in no way implies inferiority. Instead, it teaches the necessity for order and structure in the home for a division of responsibility throughout the home. Also, submission does not mean a wife becomes a slave. In creation, a woman is not called to subordination of a slave to a tyrant. No, but a woman's subordination is the subordination of a queen to a king. Yes, she is under the authority of the king, but not his slave. Eve's role was that of a helpmate to her husband, that of a queen to her husband. See, what God saw fit to create her as is a helper suitable for Adam so that he would not be alone. When uh, God created Eve, what did Adam and, uh, when, when, what did Adam say when God brought Eve to him? Did he say, a slave, just what I always wanted? Did he say, thank God for this object that I can exploit at my pleasure? No, this is what he said in Scripture, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. See, the man and the woman were equal in dignity and value and glory, and they were equal in every respect except one, authority. A king and queen are equal in every respect, at least they should be, except one, authority. The king has the authority. That's why it says in, in Proverbs, be careful when you come before the king. Why? The king could just say this. You know what that means? Take off their head. And he can do that his whim because he has full authority. Actually, a wife is never more free than when she is in submission to her husband, for then she is free to be all that God intended her to become. Submission also does not mean that a wife never opens her mouth, never has an opinion, and never gives advice. For it says in Proverbs 31, verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, talking about lady wisdom. Submission does not mean that the wife becomes a wallflower who folds up and allows her dormant. No, according to the word of God, it shows, God tells us that God's wise wife made good use of her wisdom and talents and abilities and she did it for her husband and her home. So in marriage, the man is the head. He has the authority. The role of leadership is assigned to the man, not the woman. To God, a role is never a measure of someone's value. It is an expression of divine order and wisdom to get a job done. So then, ladies, submission is your divine calling. 
It's a divine calling designed by God, not by man. In marriage, man and the woman are completely equal in value and importance, but they fulfill unique roles that gloriously complement each other for a greater good. If I ask wives today, and even if you're not a wife, but you're going to be one someday, if I were asked wives today, do you want to be a blessing? Hopefully the answer is yes. Well, there's a great opportunity this morning uh, to be one before the, learn, uh, the Lord and learn really what the will of the Lord is and then practice it in your marriage. So I'm saying this morning is this, and we're going to look at our text right now. I'm saying this. That's all introduction to where I'm going. That there is a special kind of submitting for the wives. A special kind of submitting for wives. So let's look at it. And be sure that when you look at these things, brethren, that it is not a passage on the inferiority of women to men. It is intended in this passage to show us the Christian marriage relationship. The Christian view of marriage must be governed entirely by the teaching of Scripture and only can be fulfilled and understood as we understand the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ and His church. Now, I know that because of sin and a distorted view of marriage, some have lived the implications of that. Some know the pain of divorce and separation. Children know the pain of divorce and separation. And yet, once we become believers, God now begins to correct our view of how he intended it to be. Because he is the master designer. He, is, he has the blueprints. And so when we follow those blueprints, then we can actually enjoy the marriage relationship. And so let's look at why is submitting for the wives special? Why? Three things. And here's the first one, and I want you to see it in the Bible. It is special, firstly, because it has a special kind of motive. Look at verse 22. It says this, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. I want you to see that. I want you to see what it says in the Word of God. That Scripture indicates that it is the wife's responsibility to make herself submissive. Nowhere is the husband commanded to physically force his wife into submission or demand that she be so. Rather, the wife is commanded to herself. It's reflexive submissive. It's her responsibility. Another passage of Scripture that talks to this subject, if you want to turn over there real quickly, is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 1. And listen to what it says there. Again, with this word submission in your mind and the word to the wives, it says in 1 Peter 3, 1, keeping your hand back in Ephesians, it says, in the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, 
They may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. See, so here that the wives, again, are commanded to be submissive to their own husbands. In fact, this means the wife's submission is not to be based upon the way her husband treats her, nor is it to be conditioned by the husband's abilities, his talents, his education, or even his spiritual state. That when the wife willfully self-subjects herself to her husband, she is actually expressing submission to her Lord. It is the wife learning and carrying out the will of the Lord that is well-pleasing to him. Now, again, she's doing it as unto the Lord. There's the motive. In fact, if you look back in Ephesians, look back over uh, to chapter 5, look up to chapter uh, verse 10 of chapter 5, and it says this. Remember when we were there, it was setting us up to get to this place, and it says simply, in chapter 5, verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. A Holy Spirit-filled, controlled person wants to learn what pleases my Lord. And then look over again in verse 17 of chapter 5. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It is the wife hedging against her natural tendency to be foolishly led by her sin and the currents of the day in her understanding of marriage. But instead, she desires to live wisely, seeking out and obeying her dear Lord's blessed will concerning what she ought to do in her marriage. So it is the wife who is controlled by the Spirit of God. The idea is that the will of God, who arranged the marriage relationship, is likewise the will of the Lord Jesus Christ for Christian wives. Why? Why? Because God in his design has made the husband head, also as Christ is the head of the church. The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. The passage displays a picture of unity. One body, one head. But you see, it's a tendency for our pagan society to turn marriage into something that it is not. In our day, marriage has been made into a monstrosity, actually. Either they're uh, a monstrosity with two heads, no head, or the wrong head. So marriage, the marriage institution has become a freak show in our society. Bearing no likeness at all to what the Lord intended in the original creation. So what are we to do? We're to bring it back. We're to understand how God did it so we can put it into place again. The Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit-filled motive that the Christian wife who is rendering obedience to her husband regards this obedience as rendered unto Christ. It is for his sake that she is submitting, and it is according to his will that she is submitting. That is her motive. It's not about the husband in, in the sense. It's about her relationship to Jesus Christ. See, the wife's submission, yes, to her sinful fallible husband 
she understands it's a spiritual matter. That submitting is a spiritual matter. It is actually her outward expression of her submission to her Lord. This is how she sees the fruit of being controlled by the Spirit. And this is how others sees it too. In so doing, she imitates Christ, which may mean the task of submission may involve real participation in the humiliation and also in the suffering of Christ. She may have to endure some things in her marriage because she knows this is the Lord's will, but things aren't going in her marriage very, going very well. And she wants them to, but they're not. And so she wants to obey her Lord in this. And in doing so, well, there are certain results that happen. Now, in saying that, a refusal to submit to the husband is therefore rebellion against God himself. Submission to the husband is a test of her love for God as well as a test of her love for her husband. Now, if you look in chapter 5, go up to verse number 1 and 2 again, because again, the beginning of the chapter, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma in a way when a wife is submitting unto her Lord and unto her husband because of it, she is a fragrant aroma before God. See, it is a special kind of submitting that has this motive of putting the Lord first as unto the Lord. All right, here's a second, a second reason that it is special, and it's this, because of the kind of focus marriage has. Look at it again in verse number 22. Now again, if you're not looking at the details of the text, if you're not looking at the text, shame on you. But if you're looking at the text, and you should be, I want you to see in verse number 22 what it says. And what it also said in 1 Peter, it says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands. You see that? That's, that's there. That's repeated often. To your own husbands. That means there's no one else who has an authority in your life besides your husband. And also, there's no other husband. The focus of her marriage is to be a wife, not a mother, a wife. It's never reversed. You're not called, you are called to be a mother, but you're first called to be a wife, and you are always called to be a wife first. The problem is, is that sometimes women spend so much time with the children, they forget about the relationship they have with their wife or with her husband. See, it should never be reversed. See, it says here, be subject to your own husbands. It really means to your own particular husband, to the only one belonging to you. And your husband does belong to you. So in other words, the spiritual woman recognizes that her task is to help him. And boy, does he need help. She's concerned about him. She loves him. And in other words, she's willing to live for him. As a man is willing to die for her, 
She is willing to live for him. She is a willing domestic engineer. That's what a wife is. And her husband is first. Yes, the Lord is first, but her husband is the one she has to deal with every day. She is to help him because that's how it was first created in the beginning. In fact, I want you to take your Bibles for a minute. Turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. See, the, the Proverbs says something about the wise woman. There are several passages I want to look at, but look at Proverbs 31, verse number 1. Here is a mother giving advice to someone who's going to be a king. Now, in other words, here's a mother giving advice to someone who's going to rule a kingdom, someone who's going to be an authority, someone who is going to have subjects under his authority. And so his wife, excuse me, his mother begins to give him counsel. And look, I'm not going to look at all the passages, but look at verse number one of Proverbs 31. In verse one, it says, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. Stop right there. Look at verse 10. What What did she teach him? An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. Isn't that great? He said, don't look for anybody. Look for an excellent wife. A wise wife. Look for her. Why? She will be a blessing to you your whole life. In verse number 11, notice what it says. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and she will have no lack of gain. And then verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that a a wife can do a position that God's given her in this world? And then, what's the end result? Look at verse number 23 of Proverbs 31. Her husband is known in the gates when he is sitting among the elders of the land. You know what that means? It means that she has so supported and helped her husband that he is a leader, a leading elder in the city. He's a leader in the city. He has a city, and she helped them to get there. She helped him to rule well. So submission means that the wife puts all her talents, abilities, resources, and energy at her husband's disposal. Submission means that the wife yields and uses all her abilities under the management of her husband for the good of her husband and her family. Submission means that she sees herself as part of her husband's team. She is not the husband's opponent, fighting against him or trying to outdo him. She is not merely an individual going her own separate way in her marriage. She is her husband's teammate, striving for the same goal. And she has ideas 
and she has opinions and desires and requests and insights, and she lovingly makes them known to her husband. Because she knows that on any good team, someone has to make the final decision and plans. She knows that team members must support the team leader, his plans and his decisions. If not, the progress, there will be no progress made and confusion and frustration will result and the focus will become fuzzy or even non-existent. In other words, it is special because of her focus. Her focus is on her husband, on her own husband, not other men. She keeps her mind clean and pure from those kind of things. If she doesn't, you're not going to be focused on your husband. Likewise, for a man, he's not going to be focused on his wife. He's not going to be able to love his wife the way he ought to if his mind's getting pulled in all kinds of directions. And there's one last one. There's one last one, and it is special because... It has a special kind of order to it. It is special. Her submitting is special because it has a special kind of order to it. Now look at verse number 23 and 24. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, back to Ephesians, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as... The church is subject to Christ, so you wives ought to be to your own husbands in everything. What do I mean? Well, it's, a, it's the reverse order of what happened when humans fell into sin. Women were helpmates. They were helpmates to their husband. And she was to fulfill what was lacking in man so he could function as Lord of creation. When the Apostle Paul argued for the subordinate role of women, like in Corinthians and in Timothy. Well, let's turn to Timothy, and I want to show you what I mean. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 15, see, the Apostle Paul did not base his argument on the mores of the Mediterranean culture of the time or of Greece or of Rome or any cultural considerations. Rather, he went back to creation and to the fall. That's where he bases his argument on the roles of men and women. And if you notice in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, it says a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. There's that word again. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man but to remain quiet. Why? Why is that there? Verse 12 or verse 13. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve. And then verse 14. It was not Adam who was deceived but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So he bases his argument on the roles of men and women from creation and the fall. Paul appealed to the order of creation and he depended on the Genesis account in the book of beginnings to argue his point. 
So before sin entered the world, before sin entered the world, the husband was the head of the wife, and the wife was subject, willfully subjected herself to him as the head. That's how it was in the beginning. But when Eve fell in her disobedience to God and Adam followed God's order was sabotaged. That's the problems that we have today. This very thing is the problem. So in the state of sin, God's order is disturbed in two directions. What directions are they? Well, our answers are found in Genesis 3.16. The wives seek to rule their husbands and refuse loving subjection. Where it says in Genesis 3.16, To the woman, he says, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband. When sin entered the world, it, according to John Piper, it twisted women's intelligent, willing, happy, creative, articulate submission toward a manipulative flattery or sweet talk in some women and then in others a brazen insubordination. The husband, on the other hand, because of sin, wants to tyrannize the wife and often to the point of enslaving them where the word of God tells us in Genesis 3.16, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. When sin entered the world, it twisted man's humble, loving headship toward hostile dominion in some men and, of course, lazy indifference in others. And that's when sin came in, and that's the problem we have. See, the problem comes in marriage when the wife wants to usurp the authority given to the husband. Or when the man doesn't want to assume the responsibilities of leadership and refuses to act as the head of the household, deferring all the decisions to his wife. That's where it all comes in. That's where the problems come in, right there. In fact, it was uh, Jay Adams who was a, uh, one of the founders of biblical, actually the, the resurrection of the biblical counseling in our culture, who said almost without exception we have found that in counseling that when there have been serious problems in the marriage, there also has been the problem of the husband and wife role failure. Usually taking the form of a role reversal. According to uh, John Piper in the Bible, the differentiated roles for men and women are never traced back to the fall of men and women into sin. Rather, the foundation of this difference is traced back to the way things were in Eden before sin warped our relationships. The differentiated roles were corrupted, not created by the fall. So what does Christianity do? What does being controlled by the Holy Spirit do? It, it, it brings, Christianity makes the difference in the husband and wife experience that Christ 
makes the difference in the husband and wife experience that the supreme condition of the filling of the Holy Spirit is submission to Christ and knowing and doing the will of the Lord. It is carried out from a growing love for the Lord Jesus Christ and a desire to be pleasing to him from the inside out. So then, Christian wives, this is not a suggestion in Scripture. This is an imperative. It is a command. You must obey, not, primar- not primarily for the benefits that you and your husband will receive, but the bottom line would be this. In order to exhibit the relationship of Jesus Christ to his church. And of course, the church of Jesus Christ is submitted to him. It must be, or it cannot work. In fact, the submission that she is to offer is to be extensive. In Ephesians 5.24, it says, But the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. That the wife's submission to her husband then is to be extensive, but not necessarily total or unlimited. And so she is to obey him in everything except that which, is, which contradicts the word of God. She is to be her husband's helper, and she is to do that. She cannot do that, actually can never do that if she manifests a contentious or inconsiderate or uncooperative spirit in her home. So, see, when the Christian wife does what God intended a woman to do, when the Christian wife and wives are what God intended a woman to be, that is when the woman is most free. Because that is how God created her. That's where she is most fulfilled, in the sphere of loving her husband and her home. That's where she is fulfilled. That's where she can take the curse of sin and rescue it from a pagan generation by bringing her children up in the love and the admonition of the Lord and bringing them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when both the husband and the wife are walking in the Spirit, they tend not to drift away from one another. They tend not to let bitterness and hatred get a foothold. They tend not to really with words and wrongful attitudes. No, the Holy Spirit leads them to grasp the true conception of marriage where the wife and the husband are submitting to Christ as their head and the submitting, they're submitting to others in, the members, in members of the church, but in a very special way, the wife willfully and joyfully self-submits herself to her husband who has been given the role by her dear Lord as head, and she understands that, and she thinks that it's a very wonderful and a glorious thing. See, it's special. It's special. In fact, Christianity restores the divine order that was lost in the fall in marriage with all its happiness and its potential, all that it could be. And it makes it a special kind of submitting that the wife gives because it has a right motive, 
It has a right focus and it has a right order. When she learns to live according to that, then that's when she is doing what pleases her Lord. That's when she is imitating the relationship Christ has to the church and the church has to Christ. She's like the church in that sense. So I pray this morning that you may be able to think about that and um, readjust your thinking about the institution of marriage. Remember, I, I spend time on the wife, but I'm getting to the husband. And husbands, your responsibility as head is much greater, much greater. So you need to be here. Now, next week we have our missionary coming, and then the week after I'll be dealing with that passage of Scripture. So I pray that this morning you would use it Wives, you would implement it, pray about it, incorporate it, practice it in your home. And I pray that you would do it with the right motive, with the right focus. And when you do so, it, begin, it brings the right order back into marriage as God intended in creation. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for the word of God. We thank you for its instruction. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to think about it that you would give us direction as to where we are not practicing it, where we are thinking wrongly about it. And I pray, Lord, that you would help all wives to be able to see that their role that they have and how glorious a role it is. It is the role God himself has given them. And I pray, Lord, they would learn to function in it in a biblical way. And I pray in doing so, Lord, you would rescue marriage from the currents of how the world looks at it. And you would rescue marriage in the church and that marriages would come to be a picture of how Christ loved the church and how the church submits to their loving Lord. I pray that for us today, Lord. Thank you for the word of God and I pray in Christ's name, amen. Now this